0: I've been in my back for a while,
1: I'm invincible. Story of a young boss grinding, shit critical. Calling on my bros one time, cause you special. I had some hood dreams and right rounds for my mentor. Every target that I shoot in some point like a pencil. Different road change relationships, I'm so sorry. Came up from the trenches
0: and I made it, I say hardly. Now- Bet online is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code Believe. That's B L E A V for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All guys, we are back with another episode of the What's in Your Bag podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Robinson. And before we introduce today's guest, God knock out the business as always. Make sure you guys are liking this podcast, subscribing to this podcast, telling a friend to tell a friend. We just hit 8,500 subscribers on YouTube. So, you know, definitely growing every day. So, definitely shout out to all you guys that are supporting the podcast, uh, following along our journey on YouTube, subscribing to us on, on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way. Um, that was my guy, Pull Up Tay. On the intro, it's gonna be him on the outro as well. Make sure you got our streaming his music, man. Album just dropped. One of the hottest artists out of the DMV. But now that we got all the business out of the way, um, it's time to introduce our guest, man. This is a guy who I, I had the pleasure to meet shoot about a year or some change ago. Um, I think in, in back back in Italy, man. But a guy who's super well traveled, um, great people, man, has played all around Europe um has done some amazing things with the team with team Nigeria as well and the international stage we gonna get into all that but we're pleased to be joined by my guy Santa man thank you for coming over with us today my, my boy what's
1: good man what's good man thank you for having me man
0: no doubt no doubt man shoot it's been a long time coming man before we get into nitty-gritty man it's it's been a minute since i seen you obviously back in uh in Milan we we'll gonna get to that in a little bit man but just <laughs> how, how's life man, going you know what I'm saying man what's the latest how you how did all season treating you so far
1: it's been good, man. It's been a long year, you know, bouncing back from an injury from the, the previous season, you know, just coming out here and trying to be healthy. Um, I feel like that was my biggest success, and obviously our, our team's success just uh, being in the league. And, you know, they came from a very – a very well, when I, got, when I got there, it was a very uh, rough situation at first. But, you know, ended up being successful. So just trying to enjoy my summer, man, just relaxing, visiting family, friends, traveling a little bit, you know how it goes.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let it hear it, man. Let it hear it, man. So, like I said, we're going to jump into all the overseas stuff, um, Team Nigeria stuff, man. But before we get into that, man, I want to rewind it a little bit and take me back to kind of your upbringing, man. So mm-hmm. you're born in North Carolina, you know, rally the, the hoop state. You know, people know it's North Carolina. At, yeah. at the, you know, I'm a, I'm a DMV guy, as you know, so. Being biased myself, you know, I always tell people DNV got the best hoops in America, you know what I'm saying? You know my all my, uh, oh my guys, Jamal Turtle, they feel the same yeah, way. Yeah. Um, but I can just speak on one from this standpoint, man. I remember like when I was in high school, right? Like this is when the mixtape era was jumping, right? Right. I remember just watching all dudes from North Carolina, like John Wall, Deuce Bello, JT Terrell, Quincy Miller, Rodney Purvis, Ike Wamu. Right. Ike Nawamu, it was uh, yeah. Crazy. It was crazy, yeah, yeah, yeah. North Carolina was crazy back then. So talk to me about just your high school career, uh, how you got into basketball playing in North Carolina, and just kind of, you know, growing up in North Carolina, you know, around the game of basketball.
1: Man, like North Carolina is like suburban town, you know what I mean? It's not like a city, it's a it's a capital of North Carolina, but it's not a real city. Right. You know, you get a small town feel. So growing up around the neighborhood, everybody played basketball just in the street. We played all sports. Play yeah. football, basketball, we played kickball whatever ball we could find, we played that uh, whatever day it was, you know what I mean? So, uh, growing up, I always followed my brother around in the neighborhood and they had a little park in the neighborhood and all the big kids were out there playing and I would just be out there watching. I was too small. He's four years older than me. So, like, I was just always trying and trying, you know, to to get on the court with them. It wasn't until later on, I was probably about 12, he was about 16, where I was tall enough. I was like six foot at 12 years old. Um, and, you know, I started being, being able to play with the older guys, but I didn't like playing organized ball at that moment. It wasn't until my eighth grade year in middle school, at Carnage Middle School, uh, the coach came up to me and was like, Man, you tall, you play basketball? I was like, Yeah. And he was asking why I never tried out for the team. I was like, Man, I heard you already have your favorites. Blah, <laughs> uh, blah, You know, that was, a, that was, a, that was a, the word around the school at the time, but you know, that's what people say when they don't make the team. Right,
0: right. right. So he
1: told me to come out. <laughs> he told me to come out, I made the team. Um, and that's why I fell in love with the team aspect of the, of the game, not just the street ball. Um, there was an AAU coach, the, the, he was a, a preacher at a local church, and he asked me to come play with the AAU team. It was my first time being, you know, exposed to that type of basketball. And at that moment, I was like, dang, like, I'm, I'm not as good as I thought I was, because I started seeing, like, some real talent. Like I remember we played against John Wall in my first tournament, and I later joined that same or, that same club the next summer. but. At that moment, I was like, man, I got to, you know, I got to work on my stuff. And, but I, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with being able to travel. Got a little bit, you know, going to Virginia a little bit with AAU. We didn't really
0: travel outside the state at that moment.
1: Mm-hmm. But later on, you know, got to experience that.
0: That's tough. Was that D1 Sports? Did John want to play with D1 Sports?
1: No. Uh, he played with Garner Road at first. So I played mm-hmm. with Garner Road Bulldogs. And then he left. I forgot what, what uh, age that was. At some point in high school, okay. he left and went with D1, yeah.
0: So who were some of the guys in North Carolina that you were matching up with at that time when you were in high school?
1: Shoot, in high school, we had a guy named EJ Ross. He was a huge prospect at that moment. Um, obviously, John Wall, CJ Leslie. Skip, was uh,
0: he was a bucket. He was a guy. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, uh, Josh uh, Adams, who went to NC State. Garius Adams. No, sorry. Josh Davis, who went to NC State. I forgot where he finished. Uh, Garius Adams he was also my teammate, AAU. He went to Miami. Um, we were a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of cats came out of North Carolina. Ryan Kelly, Mason Plumley. Yep. At, them, at that moment, the big prophets in state included like Lakeem Jackson, Ian Miller. Uh, the yeah. list goes on, but I can go on for days. Yeah, Des Wells. Like,
0: Shout out to you. There's so many, so many Hoopers at that moment. Sorry. <laughs> No, I said, sh- you sh- said um, UMD. I watched. I watched Dez Wells when He was at Maryland, you know, playing at UMD. Okay, okay. Uh, that's yeah, yeah. So you mentioned, uh, you know, matching up with John Wall. Talk about just number one, like what do you remember from, from from that game when you matched up against John Wall? I think in that first AU tournament, you said. And then number two, just being uh, in North Carolina around that time when John Wall was the number one player in the country, like, you know, what was it? What was it like just seeing his game up close? Um, in high school, like, was kind of I said from outside looking in. Bro, John Wall got one of the craziest mixtapes of all time. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So what was it like just being in the North Carolina being able to watch it, you know, up close and see his game?
1: So at 13, it was like 13 under my first song played. So 13 under we played against each other. And I was just like, in the middle of the game, I was just like, yeah. I was like, I was like, I, I never like felt like like somebody was special playing the game where like they belonged there, that they're gonna be a professional, like whatever. That was the first experience I ever had where I said, like, this guy's a professional. I had that later down the line when I played against DeMarcus Cousins, probably probably like 15 under. But at that moment, I never seen anybody finish with both hands. At that age, you know, going behind the back, finishing layups, up and under, 360 layups. At that age, was crazy. And it was super fast. Um, So later down the line, he hit a growth spurt. And at that moment, everybody everybody just knew he was going to blow up. But at that moment, man, like, we just felt, everybody in the city just felt proud because we felt like we had a lot of talent, but nobody was getting seen. Nobody was getting those opportunities that a few guys come out, but nobody really got a shot. And he really put North Carolina on the map. A lot of guys who went to college, I think, owe him a thank you for getting scholarships because he exposed that area a lot. Mm,
0: that's facts. It's crazy you say that too, because I remember like around my class, 2014, Theo Pinson was the number one player in the country for a while. <clears throat> I don't know what part of Carolina he's from, but I know he's from down there. Uh, The Martin Twins, I played against both of them when they were playing with Team Loaded. Okay. Um, A little later, you had, like, Bam Adebayo, Dennis Smith, and a bunch of folks that came out of North Carolina, you know, since then. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: A lot of folks don't really know that it's a bunch of guys in the league that are playing a high-low basketball from North Carolina. I feel like a lot of times it doesn't get the credit that it deserves from a basketball standpoint. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean – I, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why we don't. But, I mean, it, it goes back to even Michael Jordan, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Everybody knows that North Carolina has been a hoop state, and that's what we call it. That's the nickname, the hoop state. Yeah. And that's all we really know over there. You, you go outside, you go around the city, you see gyms everywhere. You see outdoor courts. Um. Nowadays, you don't see people playing out, out, outdoors anymore. But then that time, and, and like you go to any neighborhood, and everybody's outside hooping. Hmm. So, I think that's where it started from. That's tough. The boys' club area. Playing, playing Parks and Rec. Uh, everybody fell in love with the game. Everybody was prideful about their game, but we're very passionate about our city, about our area, our state.
0: Got to as you should, man. As yeah, should.
1: yeah.
0: Um. So, kind of transitioning from you know growing up, high school, career, and getting into college, man. You went to VMI. Um. I was in military school. Also, sidebar. So you were there. Um. You ended your career in 2013. Did did you did you play with a guy by the name of uh, Jared, Jared Watson? Yeah, I played with Jared. That's yeah, tough. He, uh, he went to my high school. He went to Springbrook. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah bro. Great guy. That's tough, man. Small world. Yeah, great guy. Small world, so small, man. Yeah, yeah.
1: I remember when he came on his visit, he had dreads. I was like, man, he'll be sick when he had to cut them. Because, <laughs> 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 yeah, he had the long dreads at the time. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's, uh, I think he was two, two classes behind me. He graduated in 2015, probably, right? I think so. Yeah. College.
0: yeah, Springbrook 2011, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, cause, yeah, yeah. Jeez. That's great.
0: Obviously, um what went into the decision to go to VMI? And then um I did a little research that said like, you know, that first experience there was tough. You know, you thought about leaving the school like that. So like what about the school made it so difficult to where you would think about, yeah, I gotta I gotta get up out of here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'll start with uh my recruitment my recruitment process. Um my junior season of high school, um, I was having a great start, probably averaging like 30 points a game. Uh, the game that the game that I had a few schools from North Carolina there um, who I thought would potentially offer me scholarships, I had a freak injury to layup lines and had a fracture in my patella. Man. So I never played a game, uh, was done for the rest of the season. And then uh, fast forward, AAU happens by a blind, no offers. First game of the season, my senior year, I tore my meniscus and I had to sit out a couple of weeks, and then the doctor's like, yo, you can get surgery now, but we don't know how long recovery's going to be. But you're young, you can continue playing and see what happens. So my, my knee was like this big the whole season, playing with a big brace on Like, man, I'm trying to get a scholarship. Yeah. Uh, so I played like that for the rest of the season. BMI offered me at some point, um, I remember it was like around Christmas time, because we had a holiday tournament, so they saw me play there. Um, but, you know, I still wanted to, to – you know, I had high major dreams, whatever, or you know, just playing at a, a local school that I felt comfortable with. Yeah. Um and then there was Campbell Campbell University, I believe it was. They offered me a scholarship. I remember I was on the phone them they offered me a scholarship. My parents were like, Who is that? I was like, Oh, it's Campbell, they offered me a scholarship. And they're like, Okay, nice. Well you need to make a decision, you need to say yes. I was like, No, I'm gonna wait to you know, just see if anybody else calls us by tomorrow or whatever. Yeah, right, right, And yeah. I call him back the next day, I'm like Y'all yeah, want to come? And they're like, oh, well, you took too long. We gave your scholarship away to somebody else. What? Like, what? <laughs> One day? Man, that that, that, was a, that was a heartbreaker, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, my dad had also went to uh to, Campbell to get his master's. Mm. So, like, it made a, a connection there. But, man, I had a lot of experiences like that with, with schools like UNC Wilmington, UNC Asheville, all these schools saying, yeah, we're going to offer you. We're just going to wait and see what we're going to do with this other guy. So when that happened, it was crazy because when I got to BMI, a lot of those schools were in my conference. So it was like, when I got there, there's so much revenge on on my mind. But I can get to that later. Um, The actual BMI experience, man, like, it was just a culture shock. You know, I came up there with my family to drop us off. All the freshmen arrive about seven to ten days before the rest of the school comes back, and this is like a – they call it hell week. Is an initiation process where, you know, you're going to learn everything you need to know about, you know, maneuvering around the school, like the the laws of the land, like how to fix your bed, how your room needs to look, um, how to wear your uniform, how to walk uh, while, while you're in the barracks, how not to address upperclassmen, how to refer to yourself. There's so many things. I could talk about this for 24 hours, right? It <laughs> like, was a big culture shock, you know, uh, as soon as, Everybody meets in the gym with their families and they announce everybody name by by name and you go down onto the court and they, they group you into these companies, you know, like in the military, there's different companies and there they do it based on your height. I remember I was an alpha company, I'm just looking around smiling, like, hey, look at these guys, look at these guys. That's <laughs> kept kept in mind like uh my coaches are like, Man, you'll you'll be fine, you know, you're an athlete, all these guys are just, you know, normal people who are just coming to school. So you'll 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 breeze through. Uh, we, we walk out the gym. As soon as we walk out of the gym, it's all is, is upperclassmen that are designated to, you know, train you and things like that. And they're just in your face. Just yelling, yelling like... And my, my mom was like, what's going on, bro? Like, <laughs> I had to whoop your ass. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, I didn't I didn't know that, but that was part of what's going on. So, like, I just bought into it. You know, like, you know, push pushing us. This is going on from that moment. It's probably like around noon until, like, 11 p.m., bro. Like first thing they do is they march you down to the barbershop and they give you the worst haircut you can think of in your life. <laughs> and, that's, and you got wear that haircut, and you got you got wear that haircut and maintain that haircut for like six months until that whole uh, initiation process is done. So it goes into school year by like January is done. But um, I just remember man, like that next morning. No, I, it's like I felt like as soon as I fell asleep that first night, I was waking up and I woke up to like I woke up to like. Somebody kicking our my door in. Like, get up, get up, get up. Sun's so not out. Yeah, I don't know what time it is. You can't have a, a clock. You can't have nothing. Damn. So it was like, seven. yeah. So we do like a lot of physical activities, a lot of training stuff like that. But this is going on for ten days, man. So I remember at some point during that that moment, they uh, give us a time to wind down, and we're like, we're like, uh, we're playing volleyball. Uh, we're playing like volleyball. You play against other teams, right? And I'm sitting out because I had that knee surgery. Um, after the season, like I told you, my senior year, and my knee's swollen up because of all the stuff we we're doing. So I just I just shout out that part. And my coach walks up, man, and he's just like – I just finally see a familiar face. My coach walks up. He comes in to check on me. He's like, how you doing? I was like, man, I can't I – can't. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do it. I'll just think – just a week before, you know, I was with my friends at, like, North Carolina Central, you know, partying and all this stuff like that because they, they got there a little earlier and I was having that that type of – and I'm here going through this, and this shit was just tough, man. But he convinced me to stay, and it was all she wrote, man. I had a great career there, great experience, and have a lot of lifelong friends that I met through that school. So I'm I'm glad I sticked it out, man. And the only reason why I actually went to VMI is because my AAU coach convinced me to go on a visit. Mm. And when he convinced me to go on a visit, they had a game against Liberty University who had uh, Seth Curry, Steph Curry's younger brother. Yeah. He averaged like 25 points that year. And that game was rocking, man. Sold out crowd. And BMI was had his best season ever that season um, in history. And going to that game was just like, man, I, I would love to play here. I would love to play here just because of that environment, because of the playing style they have. It very, it complemented my game. So, man. Let's brings back a lot of memories. Just, just talk about because I haven't had an opportunity to really talk about it in years. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean.
0: So we gotta rewind a little bit. So my question is this: After that hell week, right? This is I know this is a military yeah. school, obviously. Does the basketball team still do like the military stuff too, or like was it after Ooh. the hell week of like, oh right, y'all y'all cool now? Like, what is that process like? Being a student yeah. athlete at a military school, like, what is y'all daily routine? What are some of the things you yeah. have to do to kind of keep up with the idea of are oh, you still in a military school?
1: Yeah, so I'll break it down for you. All right, I might be wrong about the time frame, but um, I believe by seven a.m. Yeah, seven a.m. and seven p.m. every day, there's a formation outside where you line up in your companies and they take accountability, like to make sure everybody's there, right, at seven. And you they they raise the flags in the morning, lower the flags in the evening, and you all march down. So breakfast and dinner, right? That's 7 a.m., 7 p.m. At 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., that's academic duty. So that's when you have all your classes. I, I I typically schedule all my classes in the morning, so I gotta be up anyway. And then in the afternoon, I'll be done. I can take a nap. I can get a gym, whatever. Yeah. Um, so while we're out of season at 4 p.m., normally we gotta do whatever the rest of the school is doing. And and I think that's five. Four o'clock in whatever, but at that at that time, all that is dedicated to military training or whatever it is, whatever they have for you. But during the season, during those hours, we're practicing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's how it goes. But they make sure you you get as much as possible, you know, that experience. So I I hated I hated the off season, man. I hated (laughs) off season
0: because that's what (laughs) you in that military grind off season. Yeah, right. So what type of stuff was that did they have y'all doing like what did that entail the military stuff? Was it just like boot camp type type stuff like ROTC type like so we'll have different type of marches.
1: We'll just have like some type of physical training um learning how to do land navigation you know with with a compass and a, and a map
0: yeah <laughs> that's a tough um, life skill I won't lie it's a good life skill yeah yeah a, a lot of a lot
1: of stuff man um uh, I'm really trying to think it's, it's been so long and I, and I was usually practicing um but a lot of people just like fitness stuff man a lot of it was fitness stuff because um, every semester we had a fitness test and you had to be able to uh to pass uh, like you know if you're not an athlete then you gotta be keeping up keeping in shape right. so a lot of that was you know geared towards that yeah um but also, um, every student had to choose a ROTC, even if you're not going to commission into the military when you graduate. Yep. Uh, you had to choose a ROTC. And I chose Air Force because I was just, had, you know, you're dealing with airplanes and all this stuff like that. Yeah. For me, that was more fascinating than the other branches.
0: Right. So how would you c- compare that first Hell Week freshman year to like a normal basketball preseason? Because basketball preseason, I don't know, you sprinting, like, which one was worse? Man,
1: I, I go to... I was,
0: you can't pay me
1: any amount of money to go through that hell week again, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've done pre every year since since college, you know, being overseas 10 years now, man. I would never go through that hell week again. You can't pay me nothing, man. Day- you can pay me. <laughs> physically, Physically, I could do it. Physically, I could do it, but mentally, nah. I, I ain't going through that again.
0: Damn. There's no way. Jeez, that says a lot. And, and,
1: and you, you can ask any anybody. Who's been to VMI? They'll tell you the same thing, man. Yeah, I or who's who's been to part to the Citadel or you know another military academy? If they had a, the the similar uh, aspect to their to their initiation, they'll never do that again. <laughs>
0: Damn. So, what was what, did did you like have like a? What did you study in school? Like, what, what was your degree from VMI? Was it like uh, uh, economics and business? Oh, Okay, so you still can do yeah, like yeah, yeah. route whatever. Like, yeah, you don't got to do like. Like you said, Air Force, whatever. Okay, I want to show you could do. No, no, no. no. So, you know,
1: everybody has their own uh, uh, studies. You know, everybody has their own majors. Like we had a lot of, a lot of engineers, uh, biology majors, psychology, all, all that. You know, you get your degree there, but everybody still has to dedicate themselves to ROTC while you are there. Okay. Okay.
0: And a lot of athletes,
1: a lot of athletes came in and ended up um, falling in love with with the military lifestyle, and, and you know. And serving when they finished.
0: Oh wow. Yeah, did
1: your yeah.
0: teammates serve when they were done? Like while you were there? Any of your basketball teammates?
1: A couple did. Um we had a we had we had a seven footer. He's the tallest guy in, in VMI history, you know. And he he went into the army. <laughs> yeah, he went to the army. Um, another teammate went into the navy. Um I'm trying to remember anybody else. I'm sure there's okay. others.
0: They had an impact on I'm them. Sure, but, 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 huh? They, said they had an impact on them boys, clearly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> That's tough, man. Hey, shout out, shout out VMI, man. Shout out my boy Jared Watson, too, man. If he watches this. Yeah, that. yeah,
1: for sure.
0: Look I'm switching gears from college, right? After um, you know, you come out of college, you had a crazy career, you scored over 2,000 points, 900 plus rebounds. Um, and you end up starting your career in Greece. Um, and he ended up going to elite left there. Ended up going to Israel. Talk about that start to your rookie year. Like obviously, it was kind oh, of oh, hard to get out. Like, this, what what was what was that first experience getting into pro basketball like? You know, for you, I'd say
1: it's another culture shock, man. In many ways, you know, coming from a military school where you have super a lot of structure, uh, time management is a, is the biggest thing. Uh, your word means everything. All these things like that. You know, so when I signed this contract. I'm like, all right, I'm going to have this car, this apartment. I'm going to get paid on this day, blah, blah. And when you get over there, so a lot of times you realize, man, that's not the case. <laughs> that's not the case. As far as, you know, getting it, when they say they're going to give it to you, whatever. So um, I think I, I fell in, I distracted myself a lot about focusing on a lot of the off-the-court issues that I fell into when I first got to Greece. You know, it was a beautiful country. I was living in, like, in a beautiful city, small little town, whatever, but you know, I got there. Well, they said um, everybody's going to be living in a hotel the whole season. I'm like, it's crazy. Like, what? So I'm complaining about that. You know, I got I got a roommate the whole time. Um, a lot of guys have their cars. I don't have my car yet. But I was with the national team coming in, so I'm like, all right, give me some time. And my my whole time there, I still never had it. So uh, when I get on the court, uh, I'm behind because you know they've already started preseason. I'm trying to learn the plays. None of the coaches speak English. <laughs> there's only one only person translate was, was a player. And, you know, they try their best, but then, you know, they're trying to keep up too. They're trying to make sure that, you know, they they get their minutes for the season and all that stuff like that. So the game start, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, so I'm just sitting in the corner. And then I realized, man, I'm like, yo, I, I didn't know anything about a lot of the, the, I didn't know anything about basketball because the college game is so different than professional overseas. Like I didn't know much about defensive rotations because, I was I was blessed to have the defensive player of the year in our conference two years in a row. So he literally just sat in the paint and blocked shots while we just stayed in front of our man. I didn't know anything about defensive rotations and things like that. So I was just looking silly, and people were just yelling at me. I was like, what? That's not my man. What are you talking about? So I, didn't, I didn't get that concept. Uh, so that, that started a lot of arguments with the coaching, even though I understand the word they were saying, and whatever. And – you know, had mutual agreement to to part ways, and then I went to Israel. Uh, I went to second division Israel. I had a friend I was playing over there, and he told me he loved the country. He loved playing there. He's like, "Man, it's, it's come on over. You, you'll you'll kill it. You'll love it." It's all right. Well over there. Um, uh, right off the plane, right until right until preseason game. Off the plane like, to game. Right off the plane to straight to a game and play in the preseason <laughs> game. <laughs> what? Crazy. I played well. I had like 15 points, something like that. Played well. Um, trying to remember the timeline. I was only there for like a couple of weeks because, man. Like after a couple of days of, of practicing, a random guy shows up in, in our apartment and he's sleeping on the couch. And I'm like, hey, my agent's like, hey, what's going on? Yeah, you know? like, what's, what's going on? Yeah. So my agent's like, oh, this guy's, you know, he he took a year off, so he's trying to get back into Europe. So. The, the team is doing my a favor and let him practice with different teams around here. I was like, oh, that's cool, whatever. He's only going to be there for a week and he'll be gone. He'll be gone. So a week goes by and he's still there. I'm just like, yo, I thought this nigga was going to be leaving. Like, right. Excuse my language. I thought he's going to be gone. He's still there. Uh, Next game goes by. You no, know, we had the next game. And during the game, I catch a cramp. Like, you, know how, you know how it is sometimes when we see overseas, like, especially early on in your career, you don't, you don't know about staying hydrated or whatever. And it was kind of hot at the moment. I was cramping up, trying to go back in the game. Like both hamstrings cramped up at, at, at that moment. So I'm just on the ground trying to stretch. The owner of the team comes over and starts screaming at me, get in the game, get in the game. We're like, yo, I can't move. Like <laughs> It's crazy. The next morning, bro, uh, my agent called me, yeah, they wanna cut you. I was like, What? For who? He's like, the dude sitting on your couch. I was like, yo, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So the other American, he 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 stays in my apartment also, right? And he's like, "Man, I knew about the situation, but I ain't want to say that. you know, because you know it's tricky." I say to me, he's like, "Well, this guy had already signed before you he got here, but he was having trouble coming over. And when they saw you're available, they signed you too." I was like, "What?" I say, like, "So why, why would they do that?"
0: Right.
1: I, 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 ain't gonna put a, I ain't gonna put the guy's business out there, but you know, he had some legal trouble, or whatever, and wasn't able to travel. Um, so he was finally able to travel, and he got over there. So that's what happened. Um, but, but luckily, there's an injury replacement in the first league. Um, so and that team said they were watching me while I was in college, and wanted me to come over. So I, I, I went over there, and while the, while the guy was recovering from his injuries, probably about five games, I can't remember exactly. I played pretty good, but you know, I wasn't wasn't as good as this veteran player. He was already he's like thirty, well established player at the moment. So after that, I was like, man, I'm tired of all these horror stories. Went back home. It's only like November. I'll go home, man. I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Start getting my resume together. I'm just chilling, visiting family and friends. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm a, by by, by, the, by the spring, I'm going to start working or something like that. You know what I mean? And my agent calls me like in February, and he's like, man, I got an opportunity for you in Australia. It's not the first league, but, you know, it'd be a good league for you just to see if you still want to do this, you know, you only going to practice twice a week, play on the weekends. It's summertime right now. So you'll, you'll, you know, you, you might just have a good time. Let's, let's see, see if you still love the game. When I go out there, man, I had a great time, man. I was, I was out in Perth, Perth, Australia, man. Like everybody spoke English. So I was comfortable, you know, played my ass off man. and then I got my first opportunity to play in Italy. So from there I started building and building, but you know, but it's is a long story, the the things I faced, man, overseas.
0: Man, that is wild. I feel like we definitely gotta, gotta unpack that a little bit. So in that moment, right, you said you came home, you're like, man, I'm done with basketball. I'm about to get my resume and start working. Like done. Where were you at mentally? Like, I feel like what was going through your mind, you know, when you're home, because I feel like it can be tough, especially this is your first experience as a pro. You go to Greece, the money not on time. People don't speak English. You like, damn, like, what's going on? And Then you go to Israel, moving behind the scenes. You like, damn, this is what what, what pro basketball is like. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. When you're a kid, or when you're in high school, when you're in college, sometimes you could be naive too. You think pro basketball, you see the NBA, you think everybody's professional. You think it's gonna go a certain way. And overseas is like a fantasy. It's like it's like a pipe dream. You like know about. You know, mad focus. Like, oh, I play overseas. It's like, oh, all right, right, right. right. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. You know, Good over there. It's like, hold up, you get hit with all these type of things. So, for you, you know, what was going through your mind mentally at that time? Like, you know, at, you, you, all these things are hitting you at your first experience playing pro basketball. Like, you know, how what, what was that time like for you mentally?
1: Man, it was tough because I remember, like, my senior year at college, my professors were like, "Man, you're a great, you're a great student." you're a leader amongst others in school, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I set this interview for you, all you gotta do is go, I'm like, nah, I'm gonna play pro. I'm gonna be a pro, I'm gonna be a pro. Like, that's that was my whole mentality at the moment. So I was just thinking about all the things that uh, I sacrificed to, to be there. And like, man, I was like, man, did I made the wrong decision? So a lot, a lot of resentment, things like that, going through my mind and also like, seeing family and friends back home, uh, you know, having, Having a uh, holidays together, you know. I mean, this is over the years, also, but you know, missing out things in college too. I'm just like, yeah, man, it's do, I, do I want to continue missing that stuff for this?
0: Right.
1: You know what I mean? So I was like, money wasn't great at the moment, so I was like, man, why, why am I doing this? Right. So those kind of those type of thoughts, you know, a lot of a lot of doubt. doubt also, man, am I that good? Um, are these people right? Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah. But uh, going to Australia for for that time, like I got my confidence back. And I, I dedicated that next season to just learning. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't really care about how, how I played. And I didn't play great, but not to the very end uh, of that season or the next season. But uh, I just wanted to learn, just learn, like, because I, I feel like I didn't know anything at the moment.
0: Yeah. So how do you go from, you know, leaving Greece, you know, Mississippi, part of where you got cutting Israel, and going to second division in Austria. I think, I think now that league is the NBL one, up and coming league now. But – to go on, yeah. you right to First Division Italy that next year, right? Yeah, yeah. How did that all come together? Because that's like a crazy jump, I feel like, you know what I'm saying? Especially you you basically finished your rookie year essentially in November when it comes to European standards. You're not, not counting Australia. Then yeah. you go to First Division Italy. Like, what went into that? Yeah. Crazy. Jump? I mean, I think it was also
1: because um, of my college, my college uh, um, stats and, yeah. you know, what I did in college. I went to Portsmouth also. And played really good in Portsmouth. I was in like the start of five of the was Portsmouth, Portsmouth, but I had a good show in there. So a lot of um, teams overseas that saw me there. Um, but well, I, I just say, oh, guys person did spot for you. I, I literally almost did I go straight because Australia went into like August. The season went, went into like August, so I only got to come home for a couple of days. Then I had to go straight to Italy. Mm-hmm. So they were actually they got to see me play, right. you know, while I was playing, and they knew that. I was in shape and everything like that, so when I got there, it was cool, you know what I mean. Um, but then, like the, the that game, that game was also different, you know, of basketball, um, the speed I had to catch up to, you know, started losing confidence that year, um, things like that. But you know, it took me a while to felt like I I really belong there. Right. You know, because I I, I, was, I was playing that league with a lot of guys I used to watch on TV while, while they're in college, while they're in the NBA. So I was like, "Dang!" Like a lot of times, having like I won't say like, yeah, like you you call it, like like uh, having fan moments. Like, dang, this dude's tough. Like, I remember this dude from blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, having a lot of those those moments that you forget. Like, yo, I'm, I'm I'm amongst these people, man. So it took me a while to switch that mentality back on.
0: So let's let's get into that first year in Italy. Um, just talk about you know that season. You mentioned that that year was kind of dedicated to learning, right? And it seems yeah. to like that year pretty much catapulted the rest of your career. You know, if, you know since then you've been able. I think the next year you ended up going to the second division, but outside of that, I mean, you've been playing pretty much first division Italy, Spain, France. So yeah. you know, that year seems like that was really a year that kind of set you up, you know, for the rest of your career. So, just talk about that year, uh, what you were able to kind of learn throughout that year, and what you think um, helped you kind of be able to kind of catapult your, your career to where it ended up going I and mean, where it is at now. Um, so,
1: that that year I had some very good teammates, man. I had, like, you may you not know some of the names I mentioned, but, like, uh, I had DeWal Robertson. I had Ed Daniels, Eric Maynard, Chris Nayinga,
0: Andy Routins. Um, That's crazy. Eric, so my have, older brother went. So I'm a big Syracuse fan. So I used to watch Andy Rollins on okay, TV. Yeah, Eric Manning that VCU it's crazy. Yeah, to have all these Diorara,
1: mm-hmm. former NBA guy, um, man, Christian Kanger, and our, and we were coached by um, by Jamarco Pizeko, who's the uh, Italian national team coach. Um. So there's a lot to learn there, man. And it's a historic club. is a very historic club. Um, so we had big expectations and we weren't, we weren't winning. We weren't winning. They started making changes to the team. Blah blah. By by like second half of the season, um, the coach stepped down and I wasn't playing, I wasn't playing much at all with that first coach. So I was, I was gonna say, um, so we had the national team coach from from Italy that that season, and we had very high expectations, but you know the results weren't weren't went in there. But mind you, we had a like first half of the season we probably lost like four games in overtime, crazy. Like it was it was just, we just couldn't get couldn't catch a break. Uh, but by I think like January February the coach steps down because he just felt like he couldn't do anything for us, you know, and. His next coach that came in was known to be very tough, very strict, whatever. But, I mean, I'm used to that coming from military school. You know, I, I just follow this in directions. But the first uh, practice I had with him, he, he kicked me out of practice. Uh, I, got, I got into it with a teammate. You know, it was built up for frustration from the, the season. I got into a teammate, and he kicked me out of practice. And I'm in the locker room. I'm like, Man, I'm done. I'm done again. like, this is it. <laughs> uh, when the assistant's coming to the locker room, he's like, yo, you better talk to the coach, man. He thinks that you really disrespected him. I say, like, what? I like, he kicked me up. I ain't like, do nothing to him because I like, man, you should go talk to him. So I, I went and talked to him. Uh, I just told him, like, man, I had a frustrating year, man. I feel like I can help, but I'm not getting the opportunity. And he's like, man, well, look at the roster, man. We have two guys in your position already at small forward. And you know, I don't know what I can do for you, but I know if you keep working hard, then we'll see what happens. So, all right. I was going to his office every day, every day, watching video with him, all that stuff like that. Um and finally we, we weren't winning. So but finally he gave me opportunity. And I started that game. That first game I had like twenty points and like twelve rebounds and something like that. Uh and I started the rest of the season and we had a great fitness. Like we almost made the playoffs after starting so bad. And he told me he was like, man, if I ever get a opportunity again in the first division, you're gonna be the first player I signed. So I played two years in second division after that in Italy. I loved Italy. I didn't want to leave Italy. I loved Italy. Played two years second division. Yeah. And I remember it's May. You know, season ends in May. We all make playoffs in, the, in, my, in my team. And as soon as I get home, I get a call from him. He's like, yo, I got a job again in some bro. Uh, I want you to sign for me. I want you to sign with, and play with me. So like, of course. I don't care how much the money is. I'm going. Yeah. I went. I went there that year. And... I finished. I finished in the first team. I was first team all league. Like, we, we finished sixth place in the league, I believe. Yeah, we played Brescia, but we lost the first round playoffs.
0: But that moment changed everything for me. Going back and playing with him, it changed everything. So you, do You thought like that that season, going back and playing there, kind of is when everything changed as far as your career and like kind of took off from there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you, yeah. What do you think? When in, I, first, being able to kind of really show yourself in that first division, like, what do you think? What do you think? You know, went into that season that allowed it to kind of just you know change everything. Like, why do you why do you say that season changed everything for you?
1: Because my first time there, you know, I wasn't I wasn't who I was yet. You know what I mean? I, I wasn't I wasn't confident.
0: I was in in the
1: role. I felt like I I could drive at, um, and you know, I just I I understood the game more by it. Right. I understood the game. I I knew what shots I could I, I could take. I knew what shots were best for me within the system because I played with him before I knew that he's, he's going to demand a hundred percent out of me every time. Like even if it's just shooting practice, if it, even if it's just five on zero, like I, I knew that if I, if I was locked in, I, I, could, I could play well with him. Right. And and his coaching style had me, had me, you know, focused locked in for the whole season and everything just took off. But also, you know, the biggest thing, that was that confidence come back in there with that confidence. Right. Yeah, having teammates that believe in me, too.
0: Now, what year was this when uh, you got the first opportunity to kind of play with him in the first division in Italy? That was 2017, 2018. Okay. You know so this is the year before you ended up getting the summer league opportunity with the Nuggets. Is that the season before that? And then you ended up? Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I Nuggets first or Boston first? I can't even remember. I think Nuggets was first,
0: yeah. I Nuggets. So how, what, what was that moment like, man, when you – First got that opportunity to play summer league with the Nuggets, man. You agent gets, you calls you and tells you, hey, man, you know, you're going to get the opportunity. I was thinking about where you came from, from VMI yeah, yeah. to getting cut your rookie year and think about quitting basketball, right? You think about, yeah, yeah. and now you get that NBA call. I mean, like, what's that moment like for you? You know, what's going through your head at, at the time?
1: Yeah, I, I was still on the high for the whole season. So it was just like, everything was. Just, I, I didn't really have a chance to really live in that moment. You know what I mean? Like, playing against all the draft picks, things like that. Like, it was surreal. And then, you know, going out to Vegas for the first – well, it was my first time in Vegas. But, you know, going out to Vegas and for for that purpose, you know. Um, it was surreal seeing all these legendary coaches and players showing up every day. Um, but My my goal, too, was just, you know, pick the brains of, of the coaching staff, you know, figure out where they, where they came from, how they got to where they were as well. So, I try to get everything out of it. But at the same time, I feel like I put a lot of pressure on myself to try to prove myself again that i wasn't I wasn't able to to play my best mm. okay. but they told me but my agent told me before that you know they're looking for a two- way player
0: right,
1: and that's what I was playing for and when I got there, I came late because you know we had we just had playoffs, and they wanted me to come directly to Denver. But I wanted to go home first. I needed to take my things home. I had a dog with me. I wanted to, I wanted to go home first, and I think that kind of rubbed them the wrong way. When I got there. I felt like nobody was trying to help me. Yes. I just said the plays. Like I just I was just thrown into the, everything, and I was and I was behind. So, but I I didn't even play until like the third game, of summer league. So that was disappointing. Yep. And I was just like, dang. Should I have just dip right right away, or should I have gone home? Like, I I thought it didn't matter. Yeah, you know what I mean. But they they want to see how much you want it, and right. they and they look at every little thing. So yeah. I don't I don't knock them for that. But it is what it is. Right.
0: So you mentioned you obviously had no uh, never chance to play summer league uh, with with Boston. What do you think is the biggest thing you took away from your experience um, those two years playing summer league? Just getting that. Uh, you know NBA experience, whether it was you know from the practices, from talking to certain players, just from you know being in that environment. what would you say is the main thing you took away from that experience?
1: Uh, that. I mean, you can't take your your opportunities for granted. You know what I mean. Like my second time going around, I was like, I'm. I love. I, I love my last experience because you know I got to go to Vegas for free. I got to play with these players. I got to wear this jersey, blah, 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 But I wasn't going, my, my agent told me like, yo, you got they're playing. they're looking for a guaranteed contract, veteran minimum, whatever. Um, I was thinking like, man, they're going to do the same thing they did to me last year because coming to practice and, you know, automatically not in the first unit or second unit, whatever. And then when the game started, like, oh, you're not going to play first game. You're going to play second or third game. I'm like, all right, whatever. So my mentality was the same, but then I saw my guy. Javante Green just taking off, going crazy like, and me and him played in the same conference in college, and we played against each other overseas in second division in Italy, and I saw how how much he took off. I was like, damn, like this dude was locked in. This dude was locked in, and I, I was I wasn't I didn't have the same focus he did at the moment. You know what I mean? And he got a guaranteed contract. He's still in the NBA, yeah. So like, yeah. So that's that's what, probably one of my regrets. Is not. Taking that opportunity seriously at the beginning, and by the time I wanted to, it was too late. <laughs> but yeah, But I, mean, I still appreciate that experience, man. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It was it was, just, it was just funny because I was I was only like twenty eight, and I was the oldest guy on the team.
0: Damn. <laughs> like,
1: it, 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 that was the first time in my career I was, I was ever the oldest person on the team.
0: Yeah.
1: But so that shit was crazy.
0: Yeah, who, who was the guy you say was um, your your teammate overseas that ended up making the league? Oh, Javante Green. He, 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 I played against him
1: all those years. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. That's I played crazy. against him in
1: college. He went, he went to he went to Rapper University. And I played against him uh, in Italy when he was in Trieste. Damn, was a great dude, man. Great dude, great player. So he he deserved everything, man.
0: That's tough. That's tough. Yeah. So you said kind of just like the importance of just taking advantage of the moment, right, and just being locked in in that whole summer league stuff. Yeah. Experience. I'm like, damn, all right, maybe I wasn't as locked in. You know, I feel like when it comes to the NBA, man, it's a very, like, small window of opportunity when you kind of got to break in, and then it's like, ah, all right. At at some point, it's kind of like, all right, well, that window has passed, and now you're kind of on the overseas route. Like, as a guy who's a vet now, you just finished your 10th year. You know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. um, You know, overseas and everything like that. How do you reflect just back on the whole – NBA, the idea of the NBA, right? Because some folks is like, you know what? Um I want to keep making that push when it comes to the G League or trying to do summer league or get a two-way. And other guys, are like, you know what, man, I'm gonna go overseas, you know, I'm gonna stack my bread and you know, you know, go that route, right? What advice would you kind of give to somebody who's maybe on that fence, right? They're like, damn, like, should I pursue the league? Should I do the G League route or should I go overseas, man? Because at the end of the day, the reality is. If you're playing, in, you know, high level overseas, whether you're in France, Italy, Spain, you know, you're, you you could make some some real good money. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. sometimes, if you're taking that G League route, you might gotta take a pay cut or sacrifice and things like that, right? So knowing what you know now, you know, having the experience that that you've had, um, knowing what you know now about maximizing that window, you know, trying to make the league, right? Like how yeah. do you reflect on that decision to pursue the NBA versus pursuing overseas. I think it just depends
1: on what's more important to the individual. You know what I mean? So for me, making it to the NBA was a, was, was a dream of mine, but I wasn't ever like super disappointed that I, I never made it there. I always wanted to play professionally. I always wanted to travel the world. You know what I mean? So um, it just depends on the individual. That's why I never went to D-League route. Mm. For, me, I, for me, I'm always business-minded. Where can I make the most money at, at that moment? So I always was choosing overseas. Um, if, if a team to- literally told me, like, "Yo, know, uh, play G League and, re- and, you know, we'll see what happens type thing, then all right, it's different. But I think for a lot of young players, if you do want to take that, that chance, I think while you're, you're young in your career, that's the best moment to do it. Um, but, I mean, everybody's different, man. Some people don't don't, don't have that financial burden where they need to make money now. Um, some people, like, it's either league or nothing. Think it really just depends. It really just depends, and a lot of people can't handle being thousands of miles away for ten months out of the year,
0: because that's a big sac- that's a big
1: sacrifice. We all know that.
0: Thanks.
1: So, I think it just depends on what you can handle, what's most important to you, and obviously um, your know, circumstances in life. But I would I wouldn't take back the route I took to to be where I am right now. So, you know, ten years in, I, I I have a lot. Like it's it's giving me a lot still.
0: That's real. That's real. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to reflect on something you just said, man, because I think you said something that's facts. Like, you were like, everybody's not meant for being away for 10 years, right? And it's crazy because I remember when I was in college, right? I was literally that person who it would be guys, right? Who i would play against in college and I'll see eight first team all conference, this and that. Never and go overseas for like one year and then they will retire, call it quits. I'm right. Like, like right, right. oh, he ain't still playing, bro. Or like, or I'll see guys who will keep. Going to the G League, like it'd be like, bro, like you could go overseas and make way more money, have a way better career. Right, right. I'm like, yo, like, he's tripping, like you know what I'm saying? It's too he's like, tough to be out here. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like what's he doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, I'm yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm overseas. And uh when you get overseas, bro, and like you start to be in that you really over here, and you seeing people get married, you missing weddings and family things. Exactly. all oh, that like, bro, you like damn, like, and even right now, right? I'm in Japan, right? Like I feel like I was in Portugal my rookie year. That's when I, I met you in yeah. Milan. Being in Europe, yeah. being in Asia is completely different because exactly. for me at least in Europe, all right, I could I could see like, you know, Mercado and like, all right, that's, that's a supermarket. You know, in Japan, exactly. people up, you're like, whoa, where am I at? Like, you feel me? It's a complete yeah. world out here. Like, yeah, nobody speaks the language if you're not in Tokyo. The food is completely different. The culture, like you really feel yeah. it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And um, I know. Like, came to the understand. I'm like, yo, I understand like why folks, like why folks, just be Can't in the You know what I'm saying? I understand. Yeah. I lie to you not, bro. When I was on the flight to come back to um Japan, I literally I had tears in my eyes, bro. Like legit, I was like, I'm not. Like, try- man, I got to do it. I
1: got to do
0: another bid now, man. Like bid. bid, like you, you really tell. Like it's a bid, you know what I'm saying? So. I feel like I was really that guy, man. But I felt like a lot of folks don't really understand that until you're over here. So like, what, what's your two cents on that? Yeah. Like you had that that mindset as well, where it's like, man, like I see why like folks, why some people, people always say everybody not made for overseas. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I think you need to be over here before I really realize yeah. that.
1: Yeah, it's like in every profession you have and like there's always gonna be some type of sacrifice. Right? Mm-hmm. But I think that the only mm-hmm. profession you know, in America that can can prepare to what we go through or, or what we deal with playing overseas is probably the military. You know what I mean? They're, they're gone away from their families, but let me, obviously it's not comparison. They they're, they're fighting for their lives. They're fighting for our freedom, but you're gone from your family. You're gone from your friends. You're missing out all these experiences that you can never get back, you know, weddings, birthdays, birth of children, nephews, nieces, all these things, families get older. Somebody's sick. You can't be there with them. You're missing out on all these things, man. And and that's one thing in life that you can't ever get back is that time. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, like, if you can't handle that sacrifice, then it's not for you. Right. And I learned that early on, man. Like, when I was really, like, fumbling, like, do I want to do this? Luckily, none of my siblings at the time were, were married or had kids because if it is now, like, I have I have uh, three nephews. Sorry, three nieces and two nephews right now. So, if I had them when I was when I was first starting out, man, I would I'd be missing them a lot. Yeah. Now, uh, now we can make it. Now we got Facetime. Back then, when I first started, man, we had we had Skype, and you had to pay for that thing after a while. We had we had the same stuff. We had Facetime yet. Like I remember, I was still on on the uh, Facebook a lot. Instagram was just topic starting out. Like the world was different. Yep. The world was different, and I have I didn't have a cell phone.
0: <laughs> like yeah. I, I didn't have an
1: international cell phone while I was out there. Yeah. I-, I didn't I didn't get to talk to anybody until I was back on Wi Fi. You yeah. know what I mean? So time was- times was- were different.
0: Yeah,
1: you know what I'm saying. So it's-, it's a big sacrifice, man. If you don't have the the patience, the will, like it- it's not for you, man. But uh, th- I-, th- I definitely
0: understand why a lot of people don't
1: don't don't go through
0: with it. No, facts. And it's it's crazy because now I'm be like, yeah, hey, bro, I don't even blame you, bro. <laughs> I don't even blame yeah, you. Yeah. You be going in the coach, yeah. all type of stuff. I'd be like, I see why. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Why, man. Um, so, kind of changing gears a little bit, you've had the opportunity to play in, you know, first division in France, Italy, Spain, right? Like, you have some of the top domestic leagues, you know, in the entire world, right? How would you compare each of those leagues? Um, first we'll add, we'll start like basketball wise, like what are the differences between you know those leagues as far as coaching, play style, things like that. And yeah. then how would you compare like off the court, like living in each of those places? Did you have a uh okay. a, you know, and just kind of from a cultural standpoint, how would you compare those places? i mm-hmm.
1: will say basketball wise, I mean, I think Spain's the best. Um it's it's a more of a team game, it's more about tactics, execution. Um, you're using the shot clock. Um, it's every game is a championship, you know what I mean? Out there, um, you like you you see it even in the stats. Like, I think I was looking at the uh, the leading scores of the league there. The, the highest scoring player averaged 16, the next was like 15, and then the next was like 14. So, that's, that's the top three scores of the league versus you know, like France would be the 20s, uh, Italy, you might have something like close to 20 or like 18, 19, you know what I mean. Yeah. so that, that those those are more fast paced games you know up and down a lot of a lot of young players are in those leagues too, so you know they can do that um, but uh for those reasons, you know I, I think that's why Spain's the best i mean obviously they have a lot of history with you know Euro league championships and powerhouses, a lot of teams are in European competitions as well um top to bottom, I feel like a lot of nights anybody can win um and the the rest are pretty similar. Those those the, rest of the league are pretty similar in the in the difficulty level, you know. But off the court, man, I'm, I don't know I don't know how to pick a, a, a like which which city or sorry which country is better. Jeez. They're all amazing, man. But I'm biased, I'm biased towards Spain and Italy, I because I spent more time there. Uh, in Spain I got to learn the language very well, you know, because I studied it in school. Um, in Italy, I spent, I mean, the food there is crazy. The food there is, is, in my opinion, the best in the world. Really? Spain has, yeah. But I think Spain just had, Spain and France, in my opinion, had the best type of lifestyle because, you know, you got any, most, more or less, any city you go to is going to be very nice, very developed, pretty green. They take care of the city. Um, and some some cities, you know, it's kind of like in the States. You might end up somewhere and you're like, damn, what the fuck am I? A lot of other countries are like that.
0: Jeez. Okay, interesting. You said they had Italy had the best food because I feel like who was it? Oh, PJ Tucker just went viral. Do you see what he said? Oh yeah, yeah, I oh, see that. What do you say? He said, uh, American food, Italian food is better in America than it is in Italy or something like that.
1: Yeah, he said you, that. You that I
0: statement?
1: Ever, nah, nah. <laughs> I, I can't even comment for him. He, he's from Raleigh, so I got I, I gotta respect him, man. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got i got i got a lot of respect for him he's, a, he's an og man but i just don't think well, he, he's definitely been out to italy a lot he goes out there a lot for fashion week and somebody i've seen yeah. but uh i'll be i don't know where he went i don't know where he went man
0: <laughs> that's my, that's my <laughs> in the wrong direction yeah yeah um so man, I wanna talk about this obviously because uh in 2021, you know, you you mentioned you had obviously a major injury, you know, you tore your tricep tendon. and then um yeah, obviously that was something that you wrote about on your Instagram that was you know a super dark time, you know, just on that journey yeah, trying yeah. to get back. Um, I've never even heard of anybody tearing their tricep, bro. That's a crazy injury in and of itself, right? Like um yeah. you know, talking about just going through that time, man, trying to get back on the court. Um the mental aspect of trying to come back from an injury, right? Because I feel like a lot of people, obviously injuries are a part of basketball, you know, but I feel like to the common fan, they might feel like going to something like that is just like, all right, well, he'll be all right. He'll be back, right? Not the mental aspect of when you actually in that and you have to face that recovery and you're like, damn, I got eight months ahead of me, nine months ahead of me, however long the recovery may be and then having to do the Mm -hmm. rehab and, you know, questioning whether you're going to be back. You know, we just, you know, at, at, at the time of this recording, you know we just watched the Denver Nuggets you know win the championship and I'm watching the emotion in Jamal Murray's eyes and he's talking to I think Yeah yeah. He was like yo man thank you for just not not giving up on me, you know, believing in me. You know what I'm saying? Like in his eyes come coming, coming back from an injury like that. Um you know for you just what was that time like trying to recover, trying to get back um And one of my favorite quotes that you said, man, you 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 can't hear what you don't reveal. And you talked about just Sorry. having to talk through that experience, right? And um you know, just share it with the world. I think that sometimes that can be kind of therapeutic, right? Just being able to kind of yeah. process your emotions, right? So just talk about, you know, going through that injury, Um, you know, what that was like for you at that stage in your career and how you were able to kind of just, you know, get back on the court and what it felt like just being able to get back out there and play this past season.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. It definitely was one of the, the toughest parts of my life, man, because, you know, just going down to like when that, when the injury happened, like, you know, fighting for a loose ball, and I just felt like a pop. I just felt like a pop in, in, in my tricep. Like, and I just, I just immediately started screaming because I knew something was wrong. I didn't feel any pain, but I knew I did something. I yeah. I didn't know what I did. I just knew I did something. Right. So I'm just feeling around. I'm like, nothing, nothing really felt off. I'm just feeling my tricep. Nothing never, never really felt off, but I knew I did something. Yeah. And and I'm t- I go back. To, I go to the bench. So I tell them, like, yo. Uh, like I did, something's wrong, and nobody believes me. Nobody believes me, bro. I'm like, what the fuck. So I'm like, and my, and my mom is pissed. Go into the locker room, and they're testing it out. They're feeling it out. I'm like, oh, everything feels normal. I'm like, bro, I'm trying to tell you, I felt a pop. Right. And in that moment, like, I, I, I understand spending. So he's telling the coach, like, he's okay. He, I don't know, he's, just, he, but he's okay. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm pissed off about that. I get a back. a basketball last but I get a basketball I try to dribble that joint and that's when I felt the pain. Mm-hmm. And that and that probably made the, the injury worse, whatever, but uh that's that's when I realized, all right, it's done. So this uh second half, I'm just sitting there, everybody's asking you okay. I'm like, nah, I'm not. But the coach won't even look at me in, in my face. Uh he, he thinks that I'm faking or some shit. I don't know. Uh game's over. You know, shower, blah, blah. I'm like, yo, are we going to go do a, a scan or something? Are we going to do an MRI? Whatever. He's like, no, nah, we'll see tomorrow. And I'm like, nigga, I told you I felt a pop in my shit. I need to go get an exam. Right. <laughs> like, we, we, we'll see you tomorrow, right? I go home, maybe like two hours later, bro, I look at my elbow, and that joint is like super swollen and red, like like bright red. I sent a picture and send it to him. I was like, oh, we need to go. We need to go to the hospital. I'm like, nigga, bro. So... We do the x-ray, whatever we do the MRI, um, and nobody, nobody, I come back the next day. I, I know you get an MRI, you can get an MRI results quick, or you need somebody to read it. Right. We come to practice and nobody's telling me what's going on. Everybody, all the staff knows, and nobody will tell me. And finally they told me, like, what the injury was. They told me, you know, I told my tricep tendon. Nobody, it just it seemed like, it seemed ridiculous because, you know, we play basketball, like, how, how can this happen, whatever. So, I'm like, dang, what's the recovery on this? Does it need surgery? Blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, you're going to need surgery if you ever want to have, you know, the this, this same strength and mobility, whatever. So, I'm like, damn, how long is the recovery? We don't know. We're like, they're like, we don't know if you can play basketball again. What? I'm just like, what? Yeah, like that. So, I'm just like, devastated, right? And so, that's going through my mind, even throughout this whole recovery process. So, that was my goal was like, my goal throughout the whole re- rehab was to be able to play. Right. That, that's 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 it. You know what I mean. And I lost a uh, lost a lot of range of motion in my, in my arm for for like months and months and months because in the cast my my arm was extended. I was casting like this for like two months. Wow. So you know you know when you have it when your when your arm when your joints are immobilized, it takes forever to to get that range of motion. I don't know if you ever injured an knee or something like that before. And you had to do that.
0: Never knock on
1: wood. So no, no, no. Yeah, knock on wood for sure. But like it took me like half a year just to get this range of motion. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And even even, even, even since they don't have a full range of motion back. So it's something I'm gonna deal with for the rest of my life, you know what I mean? So that's a shocker but I'm able to play again. It's not my shooting arm, luckily, if it was then I'll be done probably. I'll be I not be able to play again. But I'm like it was it was tough because I, I was alone, man. Like all my family back in the states, you nobody know, was able to come, um, go through that with me. And when I finally got home in the summer, like I just put my head down and I just went, I just went crazy, like every day tackling. Uh, I just, you know, set goals. I need, I need to get this much more range in my elbow. I need to just try to get this much more centimeters in my diameter my bicep, all that stuff. But um, like I, I couldn't explain to you. Like that's one thing I I I, I could never wish on anybody else. You know, going through a uh, an injury, especially an injury like like that. Like I've I've twisted ankles, I've tore a meniscus, fractured a little bone. But like this joint is foreign. Like I don't know anything about that. Nobody knows. Right. Nobody, nobody I can ask ever had ever like dealt with that injury. Right. So it's just a lot of uncertainty. So you know, very dark moments, man. Tough to get up in the morning. But once I once I got home in the summer, man, it's, it's easier to get motivated. To, to do everything, but watching the team play and struggle that year was tough Yeah. for sure. But but coming back, man, I think I came back a little too early. And that that was uh, part of my issues in, in France when, oh, when I left. Yeah, I think I came back too early from that injury. Still having a lot of pain and stuff like that when I came back. I couldn't push off with that with that elbow. Um, if I took a hit on it, it'll hurt for days. But uh, when I left, Stroudsburg had a few weeks in between where I could just rest and continue my rehab. And I didn't have any issues with it ever since. So it's just blessed, bro.
0: Man, thank God for that. Yeah. All right. So when you were talking, right, it kind of triggered a little PTSD moment. Like I said, not good. I've never had any injuries, but when I was in Portugal, one of my teammates he, um, he tore his Achilles, right? And it took him like a month to get the surgery. Because number one, when he tore it, there was a whole issue with like the insurance, right? The team was like, "Oh well, man, our insurance." Uh, this is our insurance, and a bunch of the doctors like wouldn't take the insurance, right? They were trying to send him to this one doctor, right? Like, this 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 guy, you'll do the surgery. The player he didn't want this specific doctor to do the surgery because one of our teammates had tore his ACL the year before, right? Hmm. So he's been having the whole year to come back. He's supposed to come back like January and February of this year, right? So January, February come around, he's getting his checks, he's getting his checks, you know, periodically, come to find out he had a he had a tear in his ACL in like January, February when he's supposed to come back. It was his final check before he was going to get cleared. You know, oh yeah, you got a small check. Yeah, Yo, you, you got to do the surgery all over again. So what? he had to start the rehab process all over because apparently some, the, I guess the doctor had messed up the surgery or something like that. So <sighs> he ended up having a tear in it and they didn't notice it until the final check before he was getting ready to get clear for the ACL so he had to do a whole nother ACL surgery right
1: That's so nuts,
0: man. when the other import to his Achilles he's like but I'm not having that doctor do my surgery right listen this ACL yeah, and, yeah. on him. and the team was basically trying to force him to like go to this doctor he's like nah so it basically added a whole <clears> number <throat> off to his Achilles rehab process because he had to wait a month to get the surgery then you get the surgery you right back at zero right and it kind of reminded me of that situation when you were talking about the team was trying to tell you, oh, we're gonna wait on the MRI. We're kinda like, you know, a lot of these overseas teams will dance around injuries because at the end of the day, you know, we're the moneymaker. They need us to be on the court to play. So yeah. you were going through that process of like getting the surgery and doing your rehab. Did you have any like trusted shoes? Like, damn, like this team. Oh, yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because that could be tough, yeah, like,
1: you feel me? Yeah, like because like, cause that that's because like that's the team I was with my first when I first came to uh, Spain. And, I, I, and that that season, I also was first team all league and blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, even today, I got so much love for the club, you know, the fans. They, they show me love every time I come there. And that season, you know, was supposed to be special. So, I mean, I, 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 it's, it's 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 hard to, like, say anything bad about them because, you know, I had a lot of good memories with them people. But, like, I did have a lot of trust issues when nobody believed that I was injured. Like, they genuinely just they – they genuinely thought I was okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then for, when all that all that happened uh like I was just like man i they're 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 good they're great medical staff and everything like that but I was just like man like you gotta listen to your players <laughs> you know what i mean'm yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not i was a, I was a young player I was in my my first year in or first couple of years in. like i I've been in this game for a long time I know something's wrong right. nine years it was, up to that point nine years with no significant injuries I, I knew something was wrong you know right. what I'm saying so definitely
0: had some, some issues. Yeah. I think that's the only thing that has to improve about Europe because, you know, I mean, I've been blessed to have this, you know, podcast going for almost a year now, interviewing different different players, Just talking to players all around the world, NBL in Australia, guys out here in Japan. That's the one thing that folks always say. Like, one of my homeboys, his name is Justin Robinson. Um, he played in uh, in the NBL this past year for um, Adelaide. And um, not Adelaide. Yeah, Adelaide, I believe. No, Illawarra, Illawarra, that's where he was at. Uh-huh. he tore his meniscus, um, same thing. He was like, yo, you know, the team, the medical staff was like, immediately they were like, didn't rush him back, he got the surgery, allowed him to do the rehab, and then they, he was like, yeah, man, he offered me to come back next year, like, and you always mm-hmm. feel like how about all these teams, even in Japan, like, you know, all that stuff is great as far as medical, but Europe, it's like something about Europe where it's like, it's very like, I don't, I don't want to say slave like because it's not it's not slave like in that aspect, but it's sort of like they. Play, I, I, I already know what you're saying. Yeah, They're like property, so it's like if you have an injury or something happens, like nah, like you're gonna play no matter what, and it's like that's not how that's not how basketball is supposed to go, man. You know what I'm saying? Right. They don't really see you as humans; they just see you as an investment. And I think that's the one thing that has to improve when it comes to European basketball, man. Because I think it turns a lot of people off. You know, like when it comes to. Like you mentioned, the, you, the horror horror stories, man. There's so many horror stories about teams yeah. who guys about to play hurt and all type of stuff, man. It doesn't bad, right? So, um, I mean, I'm just happy to hear you were able to kind of get back, you know, and play this year and, you know, um, you know, have a, have a season where you're back on the court and doing what you love, man, because a lot of times it doesn't always go that way. You know, even like I might have said, mm-hmm. my man I had to have his ACL thing done again. You know, was, he missed two yeah. years career, back to back, you know, who knows? He's gonna be able to get back playing. You missed two years of it. yeah, agency.
1: yeah, that's tough, right.
0: So, I don't know, man. It's, 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 I think that that's one thing I think in my opinion has to change when it comes to European basketball, you know, yeah,
1: yeah, I agree. Because, like, you, when you think about like you know, universal health care and you know, their health system over there, you're like, dang, like we, we're behind, right? But in some ways, in some ways, you know, they still got some things to work on, especially when it comes to. Because uh, I think I'm pretty sure in soccer, like they take care of the guys, man. So the guys show us to say love, but it's not it's not everywhere. It, 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 it's just a, you know sometimes you know, I mean, and sometimes the intentions aren't even bad. Like maybe it is like they think that, all right, you you American, you're supposed to be strong and you can play through anything. I think it's a mentality of a lot of things. You know how they how they treat men back back in the U.S. anyway. So I think that goes into a lot of the mentality, but. But it's, I learned, you know, it's up to. I'm glad I wasn't uh, a young player at that time because, as a young player, I was like, "Man, I have to play through this," or "I would at least try." Yeah. But you know, that that experience kicked in. Is like, nah, you gotta you gotta put your foot down. Like, nah, I know something's wrong, and, and you problem. make sure you make sure it's checked out.
0: Hundred percent. Um, now I feel like we we kind of walked through the whole journey, man. And I kind of want to switch gears a little bit to the international competition. Um. And you're you're playing with Team Nigeria. And I guess before we get to, obviously, you know, this last year, you know, you guys obviously had a historic, um, you know, season, obviously in the exhibitions and all that kind of stuff. I want to rewind it to uh, 2016. And you had an opportunity to make the Olympic roster uh, with Team Nigeria uh, for the Olympics in Rio. Number one, just talk about that experience, man. Just, you know, when you first find out you're going to be a part of the team um, and then kind of reflecting like, yo, I'm – you know, I'm, I'm out here in Olympic Village, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what the hell yeah, yeah. like just being there in that environment?
1: Yeah. So, I,
0: w- I, was, I wasn't sure I was going to be on the team up until that point. You know, in 2015, we won the
1: African Championship, so we qualified. You know, that's a, I assumed the roster was going to be the same because, you know, we put in the blood, sweat, and tears to get there. And, you know, 2016, we had a big camp. You know, the numbers got smaller and smaller and smaller. But then leading up, you know, it was just like minor – one more cut to make, really. And – uh, there's some some issues like insurance with some players, so they, they couldn't come. So it was, I was automatically in. Um, you know, I was I was definitely ha- happy to make the roster. But throughout that whole process, we still had a lot of BS going on because of the, uh, the federation at the moment. Like with money and a lot of players had to come out of pocket to fund our, our preparation and things like that. But luckily, once we reached a certain point, Team USA had, had helped us out. They ho- they hosted us in uh, LA, let us practice in some facilities. Uh, well, those are t- Team USA, Team USA uh, hosted us in Houston. Mm. Um, our coaches' connections in LA helped us, you know, have a place to practice and stuff like that. But you know, I can't really speak on too much of that stuff. But um, you know, once I found out, I man, I was like, dang! Like, I, I, I really made it here. I really, I really made it here. And uh, the craziest thing was on our our flight there to Rio Serena and Venus was on a plane (laughs) they're Mm -hmm. they're, like sitting like three or four rows ahead of me I was like yo this is crazy you know get to the village and you see like I see a big mob and I'm like yo who the heck is that but all I see is the Jamaican colors and you see like real quickly tall dude walking across you know Usain Bolt I saw uh, Gabby Douglas uh, Djokovic the tennis player Man, so, so so many stars, man! It's like all these people in one place. All these people in one place. It's a once in a lifetime experience. So uh, just walking around the village, you know, ex- exchanging pins with people, you know, having conversations, asking about their journey, how they got there, you know, how many Olympics they've been in, you know, and, and learning about about their 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 process, how they make their their money, because we we have our salaries and stuff like that, right? Playing ball, but a lot of these athletes depend on events like the Olympics to make their money because they, they get their bonuses and then their sponsorships. And that's how they're able to you know feed themselves for the next couple of years or next year into the next season for training and all that stuff like that. And I learned a lot, you know, just connecting with people um, in the village, but dope experience. And then also being in Rio, man, getting to explore, seeing a Christ redeemer, going to the beach and, you know, Brazil is a, is a dope it's a dope place, man. It it, it's, it can be dangerous, but it, it's dope, man. It's a crazy experience, man.
0: I was gonna say, man, that's that's literally like a a dream, like yeah. But no matter what happens, like you can say, yo, I'm a I'm an Olympian, like that's a crazy thing to be able to say. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, literally, I literally am an Olympian, <laughs> like yeah. I mean, you need to have that title. You know what I'm saying? Like, think about. Mm-hmm old basketball journey. Like when you retire, you start playing, you be like, yo, like I was really on a plane with Venus and Serena, you feel me? I I was really like in that, only a certain amount of people in the world that could ever say that,
1: you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Yeah, the biggest thing to me too was, you know, the opening ceremony, being able to walk out with with Nigeria and my my family being able to see it in the U.S., my, my relatives in Nigeria being able to see that, people from high school, college, all being able to see me, you know, Walk with walk with my, my country on TV. Like I was born in the US, but you know, my parents always told me like, "Yo, you're Nigerian first. Yep. What's in your blood is who you are." That's always that's always been my, my my mentality. So, you know, having have, having people you know tagging me and all those pictures the that day, seeing myself out there was crazy, man.
0: Yeah, man. That's 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 crazy. a out of body experience for sure. Yeah, I feel like just thinking back on. The whole like I guess if an outside looking in right? You think about just the landscape of basketball. And I had two Nigerians that were on my AU team. Um even in the NBA now you got like Bam Adebayo. It's a bunch of Nigerians. Obviously you got a bunch of guys obviously as you know yeah you, got, you can play before the national team but um just how far the the uh game has come in Africa, you know what I'm saying? And it's crazy because I feel like I was talking to, um, he's not African, he's Cape Verde. His name is Antonio De Pina. We had him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he was talking about, who we was like, yo, why isn't there like, you know, you people, oh, I'm playing in Europe. I'm playing in Spain. I'm playing in Italy, right? Like, why isn't there like more leagues in Africa? Like obviously they got the wow. you know, DAL now and stuff. He's like, yo, you got to understand, a lot of these countries, they just got their independence. Like, They ain't worried about having no basketball leagues. You know what I'm saying? They ain't worried about right. democracy and all that kind of stuff, just the infrastructure, right? Um, right. obviously this past, oh, this 2020, so two years ago, you had the opportunity to be a part of, um, you know, the, the exhibition game with Team Nigeria that, you know, beat Team USA, y'all beat mm-hmm. uh, Argentina, and that was the first time you guys had ever beat Team USA, I believe, in any type of, uh, international competition, like, yeah, so that just shows Crazy, how, how the game has come, man, but just taking me through, I guess we'll start with, with the game versus USA, and then we'll get to Argentina, but man, what was that game like, man, just, KD's out there, Draymond, you yeah. Jason Tatum, Bradley, Bill, you I know, mean, who's who? Damian Lillard, right? Like, just talk about that game, man, and uh, just, I guess, the the flow of the game. Like, did you guys, when did you guys realize, all right, hold on, like, we got a chance to beat these dudes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think, like, once the first quarter was done, and, like, I was looking around, and, like,
1: guys were just hooping. Like, a lot of guys had coming out parties, like, Caleb Algata. Like, my, my dog went crazy out there, man. Gabe Benson was going crazy. Aki Regbu, like uh, Wamu, bro, like, I think after that first quarter, I was like, yo, the guys is rolling. Like, we have a great opportunity, man. And then, like, we weren't letting up. I think our, our energy, our intensity, was, and they were they they seemed pretty lax. I was like, man, we got a chance. We got a chance. And then uh, there's, there's one thing you know about Nigerians, bro. We're super confident. Yeah. So <laughs> so, 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 w- so w- w- once we had that lead, man, we, we had all the confidence in the world that we needed. So yeah, that was a crazy experience, though. It was only an exhibition. But like, you, you're gonna hear Nigeria talk about that thing that thing forever. So I don't even care. <laughs> so, uh,
0: what was your personal favorite moment from the game? Like when you think back on it, uh, or just I guess did you ever have like a damn like I'm really out here with with KD like or or, or whatever. How, what was your favorite moment just from from playing in that game?
1: Man, so probably I had a I had a tip dunk, and like everybody went crazy after that. Like. It's <laughs> I I part of that moment. My, my dad was like, "All right, man, I'm here. Like, this is this is really happening." We I've scrimmaged against some of them before, you know, like in Houston, 2016, we scrimmaged them, and they they got the best of us easily. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, to actually be in the game, we're competitive, and there's so many moments throughout that game where I'm just like, you know, like we're really doing this. Like, it's really possible. Yeah. So I, it's, it's hard to pinpoint one, one moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you guys followed it up, I believe, two days later, I want to say, with a 23-point victory over Argentina. And I feel like at that point, everybody mm-hmm. like, on, oh, no, like, oh, yeah, Nigeria, they, yeah. They, they ain't fucking around. Like, they, they really yeah. are on man time. Like, um, you know, that game, again, it wasn't a close game. I really smacked them boys. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, what do you remember about that game? Uh, what was the mentality? Obviously, you guys are probably on an all-time high when it comes to confidence going into that game. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: I guess what do you remember about, about, about that game specifically?
1: I mean, I just remember like, cause we we had we had we played against I think 2019, 2019, We played Argentina in uh, the World Cup, and we just remember like they 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 beat us. And at the end of the game, they did a lot of things are very disrespectful. Like you know, the game the game's done. They just jacking up threes, jacking up threes. we was like trying to steal the ball from us on the inbound, but they already have a comfortable lead. And you know it got a little, a little, a little tense in, uh, in that game. So, a lot of guys that were on the team remember that. <laughs> so, going into the game, we, we, were, we were already motivated because of the, that, little, that little history we had, and we had never beat them before. So, I, I played against majority of that team. I played against the previous season in in, uh, in Spain, so I knew a lot of their games. Um, our coaches scouted it very well as well. So, I mean. I think we're just super prepared.
0: Yeah. What was it like playing for Mike Brown? Because he was the coach of you guys. Like what, what was he like as a coach? Um obviously he, he just won NBA coach of the year uh with the yeah. Kings. But like, what was it like, you know, in the international setting, you know, playing for him and getting that experience?
1: That's cool, man. A legendary coach. I mean, he coached guys like Kobe, LeBron. Uh, obviously he coached some of my, my my national team teammates now, um, and chief as he too, so it was it was cool, man. It was a dope experience, man. He was a very giving guy. Like he he did a lot to make everybody comfortable there. Um, brought us all out to to the Bay Area. We stayed out there for for weeks, and he had a dope itinerary for us uh, for preparation. Um, I, I had never seen uh, we never had like a, a camp done in that way. We even had college guys come out, um, and and, and practice and compete. Um, even a couple of high schoolers that, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see join a team in, in you know, the coming years. But, be uh, experience, man. He brought something different to Nigeria. Nigerian That's basketball. Tough.
0: That's tough. So, kind of outside of the landscape of the two games, right? You know, I kind of mentioned it a little bit before, but I thought Nigerian basketball has come a long way, man. You got, obviously, Josh Okogie, who's playing with the Suns. You mentioned Shemeshi Metsu, and obviously, Bam bio is Nigerian. You know, he's playing with Team USA. I don't know what, what's going on with that. Y'all, y'all might got to try to, Get him on the you know, on the home team. Is, is that possible, by the way, or is it too late? Can he can he like change and play with Nigeria, or what's what's the? No, uh, mm-hmm.
1: there, it's, it's real tough. There's ways to do it, but it's real tough. Like, you have to sit out a certain amount of years, and then it, 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 it's a lot. But all right, all right. I well, mean, I just- but like I think I can I can speak for the team is that we we only want people who want to play for us. Like people who are who we don't want any naturalized guys. We don't want any guys who don't want to be associated with it. So like we never ask somebody to come out that doesn't feel like they're part of our culture right right you know what i'm saying no 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 doctor no him I, I don't know a person at all right Right. Uh, but i'm sure i'm sure guys i'm sure guys have reached out though yeah yeah
0: um yeah. kind of when you look at just the growth of the game right i mean i remember when you guys won that game versus usa i don't remember the exact school where people posted like a screenshot of when y'all had played them i think it was i like maybe 2012 olympics or something like that and then they posted a screenshot like obviously y'all y'all winning uh the exhibition game and the game has grown so so much man there are a bunch of um Nigerian players are so in the NBA now. I got a shout out to my guy, too, Mie Oni. Um, oh, to- yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at Quinnipiac, so that's my boy. Um, okay. Super cool. I know he was on the team with you guys as well. Um, mm-hmm. But let's talk about just the growth of Nigerian basketball, you know, where the game is at now, um, and where you feel like you guys can go, you know, in the years to come as the game continues to grow. Man, we came a long way. We came a long way. I remember when I first joined the team,
1: 2013, they had just came back from their first uh, Olympic um, Olympic uh, showing. And in that moment we had Ike Diogo, who is who was an NBA veteran, you know, been a, has, was an NBA for many years. We had Alfred Camino, and his brother. We had Galia Lawal. We had Ben Uzo, who was an NBA player as well. Like, we were, we were deep. Me and Jamal were just rookies on the team. Mm-hmm. Jamal Alasuerre. So coming from that, that moment where probably in the league there was we kind of on a couple fingers. How many uh, Nigerian players are in the league? To now, like there's there's there's, there's guys in the NBA that are Nigerian that don't, I, I don't even know. You know what I mean? I, I couldn't even say their name off the top of my head because there's so many now. Yeah. It, it, the game has grown a lot, and it's, it's even going to be more because like I'm looking at the grassroots uh, Nigerian Americans that's in the states. Guys that's overseas I think can probably have a shot getting to leave. Like it's it's crazy, man. It's crazy, but I think that if we had some better leadership in Nigeria, you know, it'll, it'll help push things a lot more quicker. You know, I think that if we, uh, you know, obviously, also, also like, you know, as as players, if we take on responsibility as well, you know, go back, go back there and do our thing as far as, you know, helping the grassroots and trying to find opportunities for these guys to develop at an earlier age, instead of, you know, having to move out of the country and trying to, you know, trying to find opportunities, you know, we got to try to, making so there's a way for them to get opportunities over there.
0: Now, what was the big issue? I feel like after the Olympics, there was like a huge uproar about the, um. I don't know if it was the Nigerian Federation, or people were, were super angry about what was going on. um, And like, I don't know if it was with the women's basketball team, but what was the, the big issue with like the, I guess, the infrastructure or the people that issues that they had with the government when it came to basketball that people were kind of upset about after, or after that?
1: there there's a big uh it was they had the the elections going on for the uh the new- the new federation who is who's going to take on the federation or if they're going to continue with the same people and there's a big dispute about that stuff and then you know the the president they say i don't i don't, I don't think it was his it is up to him but they say he banned Nigerian basketball internationally. No, no international play for anybody until whatever he said. I, I don't even remember this point. Um, you know, but that was just I felt a way to punish players who spoke out against the government at that point, and also, you know, just to go against uh, the people who are in position at that at that moment. I, I don't I don't know the, the details because nobody has really communicated that's the truth, but that cost. Our ladies, their their appearance in the Women's World Cup because they they earned it. You know, they qualified for it. They earned their their, own their spot, but because they they you know had this band, they weren't able to go. You know, As a band been was
0: Is just still a band? Like a what? It's, it's resolved now. It's resolved now. But who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? <laughs> who knows? Because I got I mean, because the, 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 the,
1: the, the yeah the ban the band came from the government
0: right. or
1: sports ministry whatever, but. Uh, you know, now there's going to be like the, the pre Olympic qualifying tournament or something like that in the summer. Um, uh, I did the women have Afro basket, the African championships. Yep. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, i I hope that you know everything goes smoothly and you don't have to worry about anything. But,
0: and the the World Cup is it, are you guys participating in the World Cup this summer? Because then, uh, okay, we
1: qualify for that,
0: yeah, okay, okay. I want I know kind of, I, I seen the tweets on Twitter like the USA is getting their roster ready for that one sure show that was. Mm -hmm. but um you know while we're on the topic of Nigeria obviously like I said finals just finished I feel like the world got introduced to to Gabe Vincent you know and being able to see him perform at a high high level uh in the NBA finals Mm -hmm. you know being able to be his teammate uh, with team Nigeria what was that like for you kind of just seeing him perform on, on this stage and kind of have his moments where now people um are not only recognizing his game but also it also does a lot you know for for you guys as well you know for team Nigeria and just be able to have a guy playing, um, you know, at this level in the finals.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. My first uh, kind of went to I believe, it was 2019. We get ready for the World Cup. And I, I, didn't, I didn't know who he was at all, you know. I just, I just remember in practice, you know, I was like, man, this dude is tough. Like, that's, that's the, the first thing I, I noticed about him, like how tough he was. Defensively and how aggressive, aggressive he was offensively. He was a very sound player. And... As time got on, you know we were just play, we are just practicing against each other, playing against each other. Once we got to uh, Toronto for our first uh, friendly match, that's when we, we really got to see who he was. I was like, man, this dude can go. This dude can go. Like he was he he showed a lot to us, and he ended up making a team, and he ended up being one of our our best players in in the tournament. So what he's doing now isn't a surprise because he's just like one of many players that once you get once you get them an opportunity they can really show you who they are. And man his, I'm I'm so glad that he, his career has blown up. You know, starting from the G League and then getting uh I'm not sure if he's with two way, but having a guaranteed contract now. Who knows who knows what he's gonna sign next, you know, he's gonna have a great contract in the future, but super proud man. And he he loves Nigeria. He loves his Nigerian his Nigerian heritage and he always puts on.
0: And hey, that bag is definitely on the way. <laughs> on the way, I do what he just did. So, <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: oh, man, that's love, man. So, we're gonna kind of transition to some quick hitters, man. Um, before we get on up out of here, all
1: right,
0: I gotta rewind, man, to like I said, that night when we met in Milan, man, and uh, and just Cavalli, man. For all the folks who know about about Italy and Milan, know about just Cavalli on uh, on Sundays, um, I thought that was a crazy experience for me because, number one, that if you remember that, that was during fashion week. And I literally popped Yeah, like it was, yeah. Yeah, bro, I popped out there for the FIBA break, having no idea. Like, I'm like, all right, we got the FIBA break. I'm about to go to Milan. And I got out there. Rihanna was out there. I'm like, yo, it's fashion week. It was crazy, like. Crazy, man. Milan is really a top-tier city, like. It is. And, and it's crazy because I always tell my boys back home, like, oh, let's go to L.A., blah,
1: blah, blah, Miami. I always talk about those cities. They're like, man, you haven't been to Milan yet. Like, once yeah. you're ever not out in Milan, like, you're really – you really have a, a, a good perspective of, like, our, 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 uh, our, our enjoyment out here, man, because it's – well, out there. Because the Europe – I think in, in Europe, Milan is definitely one of the best cities that you can visit.
0: Facts.
1: Especially during a time like that. During a where you're going to see everybody. Everybody pops out. I mean, even now, like, once the NBA team is done, all the NBA players go out there to catch the games now. Yeah. Um, uh, who, who do I see I don't know. I, I've seen countless NBA players in Milan this past week. Yeah. But – but yeah, I always, I fell in love with with Italy a long time ago,
0: man. All right, so give me <laughs> give me your top three European cities in order. Like, if you had to go from three my to, my top three, top three. Matter of fact, give me top five. You got to count down for five. Cause I feel like people count kind of up for five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All Cause right, I feel like, serious. for example, I was talking to people. Some people be like, "Oh, I, my favorite city is Barcelona." Some people will throw out mm-hmm. London because of the vibes, the party, fun. Some people, Milan, right? You got a bunch of different. You got obviously Paris, um, Istanbul yeah. is the one I've heard a lot about. Uh. Yeah, I, 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 I got
1: you, bro. I got, I, here you go. So our five, I would say Madrid. Four, I would go with Paris. Okay, three Tel Aviv.
0: Hmm, that's a sneaky one.
1: Yeah, two <laughs> is Milan and one is Barcelona.
0: awesome. Right, Barcelona is over Milan. You would say,
1: yeah, because Barcelona has the
0: vibe, it has the parties, the date the you know
1: restaurants, and but it also has the beach. Mm. So well, Milan has that. Yeah, yeah, true. And a lot more people, a lot more people speak English in Barcelona. It's more international. Well, it's a bigger city. It's a bigger oh. city than Milan is. Okay. Um, and also in Milan, you know, you have the nightlife, but like as far as attractions, all you really have is is the Duomo Cathedral. Right, right. So Barcelona, a lot to see out there.
0: Okay, Madrid. I I feel like it's the first time I heard Madrid. What's 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 Madrid got to offer for the for the folks who might not be like, oh, Madrid, that's top five. Because you, I feel like most people obviously know about Paris and things like that. So what's what's mm-hmm. what's Madrid? Uh, what do you, what do you say... like about Madrid? That will put it. What do you like about Madrid? <laughs> Madrid.
1: Like, if you, it depends on your, on your preference, but Madrid is uh, more of, like, a classy city. I'll compare it to, like, the the upscale New York uh, type of vibe. Bigger city, they have, you know, like, anywhere, any other big city, you know, they don't have good clubs. Um, but nice restaurants there. Um, they, have, they have some attractions, too. And I just remember, like, I always, always found some, I can't remember the name of the place. It's, I think yeah, it's called Ramsey's. It was a, it was like a bar restaurant type vibe, and I, I used to go there for brunch. Uh, my cousins came to visit my brothers. Um, but yeah, Madrid is dope, man. You can have a great time in Madrid.
0: And put that on. If list. anybody wants
1: to go, let me know. I got, I got, I got a plug in all these cities, man.
0: Say no more. <laughs> say no more. Hey, I'm gonna definitely tap in with you for sure. Next time I get on, I get on out there. All right. Um. All right. So, who who would you say right now? Right, is give me the best. Uh, like import, you say in America, and then the best like European in, in Europe. in my fault in Europe, cause I feel like most people would be it's like... the best oh. import player. Oh uh, yeah, right.
1: import and the best
0: European player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, it's tough. Damn, that's,
1: that's I feel like tough. It'd be changing.
0: I, it'd be changing. Huh? I, I feel like it changes from year to year. You know, so some people oh Mike James the best player in Europe or. You know, yeah, whatever the case may be. I heard Kevin Puncher was going federal this year over there. Like, yeah, um, it went crazy. It's tough, man. It's hard to pick one player, bro. Let me think. Who, who's in? The, who would you say is in the conversation? If you can't pick one, who who was like at the table? As Americans, dude? as Americans, is always,
1: Kevin Puncher. is always Mike James. You got uh, Will Clobber. He's tough. I, I like his game the most, probably. If I had to choose, I, I, I like his game, bro. I'm, I'm picking him. He, he played he play ball like. I'm
0: surprised he's he not out. in the league, bro. He could be a, like a yeah. type of wing in the league. I'm surprised
1: he's not in I the thought, league. I thought, I thought he had an opportunity to go, but
0: he
1: didn't go. Yeah. I thought he did. I'm not sure. Yeah. But, yeah, I'll I, I pick him then.
0: Okay. Okay, Ben, give
1: me the European. Huh? then give me the European.
0: Dang. I'll say Miritich. Okay, okay, you got him over Bull from Olympiakos this year. That like got uh, didn't he got I think he got Euroleague MVP. My tripping? Did what's ball from Olympiakos name? I think he was MVP this year, he, he led Euroleague in scoring. I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, I, I can't think of his name. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. But I, 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 I like I like Meritius better though.
0: Okay, okay, you got him over. Um, what's my boy name from Ephes? Uh, what's Bull name from Ephes, bro? Um. Damn, he was Euro League MVP of the year they won the Euro League. Wow, I can't think of this dude's name right now. That's crazy. I'm gonna think about it as soon as this podcast ends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, but now nah, that's, that's, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Um, all right, so we can do a segment called What's in Your Bag, right? Play on the yeah. uh, podcast name. You go out to the club, give me the fit, man. Like, what's in your fit? Like, what you wearing? Then, if you're gonna do like a bag, what you throwing in the bag? Like physical items. If you have like a crossbody bag, or you a yeah. guy, what's what's going on in the bag? All right. So the fit in the bag.
1: Yeah, both, both. To, all right, the fit. Do I have to talk about brands or just or just uh, you know what
0: I'm saying? What's the style? You're saying, what's you know what I'm saying. On your go-to.
1: I have some like, if I if, I, if I'm gonna try to be like dressy, I have some McQueens on. Otherwise, if I'm just trying to be comfortable, I'll have some Yeezys. Okay. Jeans. Like I got have some G star G Star jeans for sure. Okay. And the shirt, it could range from anything, bro. It could be from Supreme to the freaking Burberry to even just a white or black tee. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. Um and I'm gonna have in the bag, I'm definitely gonna have my my wallet, some chapstick. Some hand sanit- sanitizer, and yeah, that's about it, bro. Okay, okay, that's that's, that's about it. And and I, of- I, 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 keep, I keep a portable charger there too. Sometimes,
0: man, gotta, had a charge gotta have a charger. Gotta have charger. I'll keep the cologne on, the, on me And in Japan. See, so you yeah. probably bought this in Japan, but I got the portable Wi-Fi. Portable Wi-Fi. got to oh, couple. Yeah, gotta put me in the bag for sure. Yeah. As far as the McQueens go, man, I do not comfortable because I heard mixed reviews. Some people be like the McQueens are not comfortable. I- you're not, bro. <laughs> you, they're you not. It out. A, yeah, thugging it Yeah. You're not, bro. I don't,
1: I don't wear them too often, bro. Yeah, yeah, I feel
0: you. This is you I try think, to step
1: out. And, 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 and while I was buying them, they gave me like, one. I don't know if you're going to like these, man. They, they're not very comfortable. I was like, you sure? I, like, I see a lot of people, you know what I mean? I see a lot of people wearing, they look fine. First, first wear, is like, man, change things is tough. It's going to take a while to get used to. Them. Maybe I got to break, break a man. Take a good look, man. Nah. They still broken
0: in yet, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm dead. I'm dead, man. All right, man. So last question we got for you, man. Um, you always ask our guests, who is one person that we should have on the podcast? Uh, but whoever you say, you gotta help us give us the little assist and get in getting the more. All
1: right, let's see. Let's see. Who can I get you on here, man?
0: Who, who have you had so far? Yeah, we had a bunch of guys of overseas guys. We had obviously yourself. Uh we had Kyle Alman. He plays in Paris. Uh my boy Marquise Reed. Uh we had Stanton Kidd. He's a Maryland guy. Um played overseas okay. for a long time. Two League guys. We had T Man, uh or Terrence Man, Hammer Diallo, Quinn Cook, uh Haywood Highsmith. He's on the heat right now. Um mm-hmm. Like I said, Justin Robinson who played in uh he played in the league for a little bit too with the Bucks and the Wizards. Cam Taylor, actually, I think you might know Cam Taylor. He was in uh Strasbourg. Yeah, yeah, I don't know him personally, but I, I, okay, I yep. know where he is. Yeah, He, Cam, he played Cam. in uh
1: Spain in Spain this year.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Yep. Um I'm
1: uh I'm uh I'm gonna say Caleb
0: Agata. That's tough.
1: He, yeah, he's, he's he's been having a tough ride, man. I think I think he, he definitely should hear his story, man. He's got very interesting story.
0: Nah, for sure, that'd be dope, man. I always, I always see, you know, uh, Zaid Hurst. I'm sure I always see Z tagging him. Yeah, on, yeah. story talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was, cool. We love to have him on. I know. Yeah, that'd be dope. That'd be dope, man. If you could, if you want to assist on that, man, that that'd be. Dope. Yeah. 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 Matter of fact, I'm gonna throw
1: you two. Caleb, they're both Canadians. Caleb and, and Johnny Bahadur Maske.
0: Okay. Okay. Bet. Bet. Yeah, man, he, he need he had a tough bucket. they have both buckets, man. They no more, man. Need it, need it. So we'll we we'll be in contact after the show, man. We get to try off oh, sure. season. Um oh, I got you. nah, man. This has been this has been fun, man. I didn't even I didn't even realize we was on here for this long, man. It's been shoot over yeah. an hour and a half, man. But I guess that's what yeah. happened. You have a good combo, man. Um I definitely want to see number one. Thank you for coming on, bro. Thank you for your time. Love, uh, man. Definitely love, been love. a pleasure, man. And I just want to say I always try to end that in the episode off giving people their flowers, man. I think you know, just for you, coming from a mid-major, uh, I went to a mid-major myself, man. It's definitely super inspiring to see guys like yourself be able to work their way up through Europe, you know, through the trials and tribulations of, you know, getting cut and having the injuries that you had and being able to get back on the court, man. It's been an honor to be able to just, you know, see you. Um, Obviously, especially being, at, being able to meet you last year in Milan, man, and, you know, staying connected there ever since then, man. Solid dude, bro. So I just want to give you your flowers, man. Just say, you know, congrats, man, on finishing year 10. I know you got a long way to go. Um, you know, Thank you are for you over here, man. Like I said, definitely look forward to staying in touch, man. Hopefully we can link up in one of these European cities sometime soon, man. We
1: definitely got to, man. I, and I appreciate you, dog. No doubt. No doubt. I appreciate you,
0: man. All right, folks. This has been another episode of the What's in Year Bag Podcast presented by Bet Online. As always, remember to like this podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating. It goes a long way. That's gonna it's gonna be my guy Pull Up Tay on the outro. Make sure you gotta stream his music. Till next time, folks. Peace. Suave, 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 I've been in my bag for a while, I'm invincible. Story of
1: a young boss grinding, shaking critical. Calling on my bros one time, cause you're special. I had some hood dreams of right rounds for my mentor. We talking that I shoot at some point like a pencil. Different road change relationships, I'm so sorry. Came up from the trenches and I made
0: it, I say hardly. Now-